Welcome to the Moose Room, everybody. Today, we are without Emily so far. We think she's still on vacation. We, we've got texts and phone calls out to her. We'll see what happens. We may turn into another true crime podcast, depending on <laughs> what's going on. But I, we're, we're pretty sure Emily is just still on vacation and uh, doesn't want to record today. And that's fair. That's fair. But Brad's here. I'm here. We're going to get through it. We'll, we'll be okay, even without Emily. Yeah, she needs her uh, vacation uh, through Christmas and through the first of the year. We all need that time off to rejuvenate ourselves. Speaking of time off, <laughs> I think we alluded to it in our last episode. Brad didn't get much time off um, because of everyone else taking time off and things still got to run. Uh, some managers are away at the WCROC Dairy. And so Brad, Brad's in charge. He's always in charge, but he's for real has to do all of it right now. So uh, not much of a break, huh, Brad? No, not much of a break. We're heavy into our breeding season, so I've been making sure all the breeding goes well. You know, we had three inches of rain here over Christmas, and so I was moving some of my cows that were on research projects because they were standing in mud. Yes, mud on December 25th in Minnesota is very rare, very rare. So it's just been kind of a crazy last few days, but we've we've made through it. We're doing well. We're doing well. And that's that's kind of what we wanted to talk about today was, okay, th this winter's been strange, you know, and if you talk to most farmers, they'd much rather have just cold and snow, give us the Minnesota concrete with frozen ground. It, it's just better overall. What does this rain do, Brad, when you're trying to graze, when you're trying to keep animals out longer uh, to, to keep them grazing? What what happens when we get three inches of rain this late in the year? Well, you know, it, it certainly depends on some of the pastures that we've had. So we've I've had cows out still on pasture through, well, December 25th. That was the last day. But the grass isn't as well off in this one pasture that they were in. I was going to going to reseed it this spring, but it's just wrecked havoc on it right now. It's just kind of muddy and they've stomped it all down and it was just, just kind of a mess. It looks like it got destroyed and there wasn't much grass in it. Now the grass will come back, no doubt about it, but it just looks really bad and it was slick and the cows just, it was time to pull them off. I still have a group of heifers out. There's 80 heifers still out on a kind of a stockpiled pasture still grazing and that pasture can handle some rain um it does well it and it doesn't look bad out on that pasture so it really just depends on which one we're going into and you know i guess i'll have to reseed this one where the cows were but the heifer one uh, has done well so no pasture is the same ever no and it, and it's all different and staying flexible and like to point out Brad's moving cows on Christmas Day at a university <laughs> farm. The real world sometimes makes its way to the university. You know, not often, but it happens. I, I worry about rain this late in the game because it gets cold. And then we get big, thick sheets of ice on stuff. So guys that are trying to graze late into the season, that that is probably the worst case scenario of trying to keep cows out late is having this big, thick piece of ice preventing the cows from getting to that forage. I mean, if it's just snow, a lot of cows will 
dig through it and push it around and make sure they can get to food. Uh, but man, that ice makes things difficult. Yeah, the ice has always been a problem for us. And, you know, it might create problems with the grass, but cows slip and fall. And there's all those issues that come along with it, too. Ice is probably the worst rain cold like this. Yeah, as you alluded to, I just want it to be cold. And whether there's snow or not doesn't really matter. I just want it to be cold so the ground stays frozen and hard uh, to get through the winter time. Well, and that that rain is different than the snow when it comes to the cows being able to cope with it. I mean, when they get soaked in a cold rain, they shiver. And that is not what you want to see. A mature cow is shivering. You know it's cold. Uh, that is not good. Well, and that's one of the reasons I decided that I should move my cows uh, on my research project. On Christmas Day, as I went out there and there's a few cows just shivering. They look miserable. You know, they're actually, they were standing under the, our solar panels. So they were out of the rain uh, from falling on them, but they were still just shivering. I'm like, I got to do something here. This is just not good. So we brought them up into the barn uh, where I was going to move them anyways. You know, the weather's been so nice in December. It was 50 degrees Fahrenheit just a week before, you know, Christmas. And so we kept the cows out as long as possible, but then all of a sudden it rains and well, I brought them into the barn where they were going to go anyway. So everything's better now. Oof. It was, it was tough uh, seeing those cows one day and I just had to, I had to change, you know, and that's, that's the thing with a grazing or pasture based dairy. Unlike being in a freestyle barn, you sometimes you just got to make those decisions to move them or change at the spur of the, of the moment. And you don't have time to think about, uh, what's happening. You just do it. I mean, that's what it requires. And there's got to be some flexibility. That's, that's part of the, the art uh, of grazing that, you know, we talk about science a lot, but I do believe there's a lot of art, especially when we're talking about grazing. I mean, you just, you got to see a bunch of it. You got to know when it's time and, and there is an art and a, a feel for it that isn't entirely science-based. Do you agree, Brad? Oh, I agree. I agree. Uh, sometimes you just throw everything out the window and you got to make that decision right away. And what, what you think is best, that's the challenge of it all. That's why I like doing it. That's why I like doing it. We're talking about winter. We're talking about weird stuff that's going on this year on a regular winter. One of the things that, uh, I was asked at the annual convention for the Cattlemen's Association, you know, there's a lot of different opinions on it as we were talking in a group. Late at night, a couple beers, everybody's opinions come out pretty good. The question was, how far, and it might be different for dairy and beef, but how far can cattle or should cattle go for water? You know, we talk about trying to keep cows out and on pasture and save that money because it's a huge cost when we talk about beef or dairy. Grazing later saves a ton of money in the system. How far can we expect cows to walk for water? That's a good question. You know, I have heard lots of producers do many different things. Some will have their cows walk almost a mile to get water. Just depends where the water is. You know, some if they're outside, they have heated waters and that's all they can provide and cows walk a long ways. I am not a big fan of having cows walk a long distance in the winter, especially from a dairy perspective. Beef may be different, but I just think uh, they still need a lot of water, whether it's 
summertime or it's wintertime, they're going to drink about the same. So you still need to have ample supply of water wherever they may be. Yeah, we had all sorts of different opinions on this one going around the bar. And I, I tell you what, we've got everything from a quarter mile to two miles is fine. You know, we've got everything. <laughs> so I tend to agree on the beef side, depending on when you calf. I think that's the big caveat to a lot of it, right? So if you calf pretty late in the spring, so let's say you calf May, June, in the winter, those those cows can walk farther for water because they don't need that those calories. They're not that fetus isn't growing as fast. If you calve January, February, and you're in that third trimester, they they can walk a long ways, but it's not ideal, right? We don't we don't need them spending that energy and that hydration status on anything but that calf, ideally. So I think it, that calving season depends on it a little bit. So again, I'm back to my standard answer that it depends, but I, I do think cows can walk a long ways and exercise is not a bad thing for cows. We want them to be comfortable and they're of course slipping and falling, especially with dairy cows. I mean, it's a big deal with beef cows as well, but that that's a big concern. I'd have no problem cows walking a mile. I think two miles might be a little much, um, especially depending on how pregnant those animals are. But of course, I mean, it comes down to money. Not everyone can afford to put water everywhere and keep it open as well. That's the big thing. So providing it at all is the first step, right? And making sure the cows know where it is. And they'll surprise you. They'll find water in some weird places as well. But you want to see them coming up every day. And if they don't, you got to go figure out what happened. Did they find water somewhere else or or what? You know, we, we just did that. We, we got a little... Uh, a, a little bit of extra money uh, to put in a water line and irrigation line this winter. So I put in another water uh, for cows and heifers for springtime, summer, but for the winter here too. So we can kind of have cows rotate a little bit more through some of our uh, paddocks or crop ground, uh, maybe in the fall. So, and I didn't want them to be walking two miles for water. So we put in another heated water that we can utilize in the wintertime and the summertime. So it, you know, for us, it, it made sense to be able to do that. Plus we put in some, we put in a irrigation line. I have inherited a traveling gun so I can irrigate some pastures after the summer drought. Um, that was a decision that we needed as well to do. I, I was interested in that conversation on the beef side. There's a lot of different opinions on that one. And so, yeah, it was fun to listen to everyone's reasoning. And, you know, I, I have heard, I, I've had conversations with producers and some are like, well, they'll just, they'll just eat the snow. That's where they get the water from. And I have seen cows eat snow before, but they are not getting the water requirement that they need by eating snow. So if you think that they can just eat snow and do well without water, that is a fallacy and you should not do that. I, I've heard quite a few producers say that before, and I just don't agree with that. I think if a cow is eating snow i mean we're in pure survival mode that, that's my opinion they are yeah they will if it's that or die right exactly exactly i i yeah we don't want to get to that point if we can help it so the other question i have for you today brad i recently got a chance to go out to um an educational center that is going to obtain cows they're starting to get cows and it was a very interesting deal because some 
it's, it's very educational based, educating the public about agriculture and the farm. And they want to get cows. And, and they had cows. The person who's running the operation had cows a long time ago. They want to do everything as best they can on the educational side. They're working on figuring out how to rotate through pasture. It's very interesting when I get calls like this because money and making money off of these cows is not really a factor in the whole, all the considerations, right? We are going to lose the least amount. That's the goal, right? Because they know they're not going to make money because they're only going to have five cows, five pairs, right? So we got 10 acres of pasture. If you had to start from like nothing, there is no water. There's no nothing in this pasture. It's got a perimeter fence, 10 acres. Do you go with a pinwheel? Do you break it into strip grazing? Do you make defined paddocks that you rotate through? Like what, what's your initial gut feeling on something like that? For me, if you've got a perimeter fence, I think you figure out how to break it into smaller paddocks uh, if you're, so you can do some rotational grazing. The worst thing that we want to do is just throw the cows out on the whole pasture and then, uh, you know, the year or two later they go, oh, well, our we don't have any grass in the pasture. It doesn't grow. Well, we've overgrazed it quite considerably. So I would try to figure out how to break it up so you can do some rotational grazing and manage the grass well. I would probably also figure out how to put water on pasture. Um, you know, there's different equip programs uh, out there through NRCS and things that you can put uh, water lines or fencing, things like that. So I would I would consider water. To me, water is always the important thing. That's one thing I think about all the time is when we move cows here, where is water? How much water can we get? They got to have access to it 24 hours a day. So um, those are two things that I would think about. The next would be what grass species are in this pasture. Do I need to you know, no-till some other species in there. How well does the grass grow? I actually would probably do a soil sample and see, is it, you know, high calcium, high phosphorus, whatever it might be, will it support the grass that you want to grow there? So uh, there's lots of considerations if you're starting from scratch, but those are the things that I think about before I just even want to consider putting cows out there. You have to think about the cows going out there, but don't put them out there right away. One of the questions that they had was they had thought about, okay, what if we have a common alley to move them between the different paddocks? To me, that's uh, it's probably great for most of the year. Then for short periods of the year, it's an absolute muddy mess because now you've got a common walkway that gets used more than the rest of the pastures. But it's always a challenge to do that, you know, we with with common walkways and it's it can be a challenge. It can be a challenge, but it's doable. It is doable. And the other thing we talked about was you maybe don't make a decision the first couple of years on how you want it set up. Just just use temporary fencing and, and, and hot fencing to figure out how it works best. So I think there's a lot of options there, too. And I'm in no way a fencing expert, but there are a lot of options. You know, you also want to think about. So once you figure that all out, then you have to think about your cow numbers. And I like most typical farmers think we should have way more cows than what we probably need on that paddock, which creates, you know, overgrazing, you name it. So if you're going to have 10 acres, that's like 10 cows, maybe five pairs, right? Or five pairs or six or seven, whatever it might be, but it's de depending on the grass growth and regrowth, you know, but 
it's not, we got 10 acres, let's put 20, 25 cows out there. It won't work. It won't work. You're going to uh, not have any grass for them and you're going to end up supplementing them within the first couple of weeks. So, and I don't know if you experienced this, Brad, your, your kids are much older than mine, but after having kids, I have become much more blunt in everything that I do for the most <laughs> part. <laughs> I don't know what changed, but I think it's the kids that have done it to me. I mean, that is the very first thing I said, I said, Hey, what, what are you expecting for cow numbers? Let's get on the same page here. They said five. And I said, no more than five. Or are you thinking, well, that might grow. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? And I said, no, we're going to have five, five. That is the, that is it. And I'm like, that is what that, I like to hear. Perfect. That's a, that's a good decision to have. It'll grow into the future because you'll be like, oh, I got five. Now I can, man, I got, you know, you'll stand out there and go, man, I got a lot of grass out here and five aren't doing it. Maybe I should have 10. And then. Yeah. Or and there's then it, that, that heifer that's born and you're like, wow, that heifer is really, she's, she's pretty adorable. I know everyone's going to enjoy being around her. Might, maybe we'll have six or seven right, or exactly. eight, you know, it'll grow. It's <laughs> it unavoidable. Will. It will. We did get a text from Em. She is not feeling well. So. While she is still on vacation, she is not feeling well. So sorry that you're not feeling well, Em. It's not going to stop us from making fun of you. Joe and I know we're always sick. We got kids. So they just, they're little virus factories. They just give us whatever they got. And it's constant. I don't know. I, I've been sick for 18 years. I don't, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping it would get better, but it, it doesn't seem <laughs> it doesn't. to have gotten any better. All right. Well, next week, when Em gets back, I think what we're going to do is talk about what our plans are for this year big things that we're going to work on, uh, big things that we see coming for different sectors of the industry that we're involved in, and kind of give you just a preview of what's going on this year. If you have questions, comments, scathing rebuttals, those go to the newsroom at umn.edu. Find us on Twitter at UMN Newsroom and at UMN Farm Safety. Find Brad on Instagram at UMNWCROCDairy. Check out our website, extension.umn.edu. That is all for Plugs. Bye. Bye.